Welcome, listeners. This is the Wishing You Well podcast, and I am your host, Maria Patrick. If you are a returning listener, thanks so much for joining me again. If you are new, come on through. This is a weekly podcast, which is all about finding ideas and inspiration to help us live healthier, stronger, and longer lives. I bring you tips on improving your health through nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle changes, and I look to the recent headlines and newsmakers for inspiration. Today, we're going to talk about the greatest night in pop music. It happened almost 40 years ago, and it's become a recent talker because of the behind-the-scenes documentary on Netflix. Are you wondering what I'm talking about? I'm talking about The Greatest Night in Pop, a new Netflix film all about the making of what many consider to be the best-selling charity song of all time, We Are the World, which was written by Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson and produced by them both along with Quincy Jones in order to raise money to feed the people of Africa. I love a good backstory, and since I was such a huge fan of the song and its music video, I thought I knew everything there was to know about it. Boy, was I wrong. I had forgotten just how many superstars were part of this project, 46 of them in total. The biggest names in music in the 1980s came together, such as Billy Joel, Bob Dylan, Tina Turner, Cyndi Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, Kenny Rogers, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Diana Ross, Willie Nelson, Dionne Warwick, Steve Perry, Ray Charles, who played the piano for the song in addition to singing, Daryl Hall, Kenny Loggins, and many other singers who did not have solo parts but sang in the chorus, including Bette Midler, Smokey Robinson, the Pointer Sisters, and a bunch of members of the Jackson family, LaToya, Randy, Tito, Jackie, and Marlon. What I did not know is that Harry Belafonte was the one who came up with the idea in the first place. I also never knew that the entire song was recorded and filmed in one very long night. I definitely didn't know that that one long night didn't even begin until after the American Music Awards ceremony concluded that night. I was shocked to know that some of the best verses weren't recorded until 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. and even later, after many, many hours of no sleep and no food. I never knew that the film footage from that night is in the Smithsonian Museum. I certainly had no idea that this fabulous documentary almost couldn't be made because most of the film footage from that night had been damaged by moisture and the filmmakers didn't think they would have enough video to make the documentary. They just had audio recordings, and you're not going to believe where the audio recordings came from. The dictaphone of the journalist who was covering the whole thing that night for Life magazine. Apparently, he turned on his dictaphone as soon as he got the assignment, which was only three weeks before the filming and recording of the song started, and he never turned it off. So there was this painstaking process where the filmmakers had to match up the audio recordings from the dictaphone to the little pieces of video footage that they had been able to salvage. By the way, if you don't know what a dictaphone is, just Google it. 
I had forgotten that the song not only raised over $80 million, which adjusted for inflation is $215 million today, but it also won both Record of the Year and Song of the Year at the Grammys. And I was shocked and saddened to learn that they waited all night 39 years ago for Prince to show up, and sadly he never did. And at the last minute, Huey Lewis was given the solo part that they had reserved for Prince to sing. The thing that really struck me when I watched the documentary, and don't worry, I'm not giving away any spoiler alerts. I promise you that you'll enjoy watching this as much as I did, is just how much the mission of that project resonates today, almost 40 years later. It's a story of coming together for a common cause. It's about hope. It's about humanity. And it's about the importance of checking your ego at the door. That concept was such an important part of the entire making of the song that Quincy Jones grabbed a piece of paper and a marker and created a sign with those prophetic words on it, check your ego at the door. The sign was placed on the front door of A&M Studios in Los Angeles for every single one of the 46 artists to see as they passed through the door. So while this is not an untold story, What's old is now new, and there is a lot we can learn from and be inspired by. Quincy knew that with that many stars in the room, there was no way it was going to work, especially with the limited amount of time they had to film it. If the singers were each jockeying their way to get a solo or a bigger part or to be seen in the front row of the video, they weren't gathered together that night to celebrate their own successes and accomplishments or to compare notes on who had more singles on the charts or who had won more awards. It was about coming together to raise money, hopefully a lot of it, to help what was a huge crisis in 1985. The number of people who were dying of starvation in Ethiopia and the lack of basic needs like food and water and birth control what you see when you watch the documentary is the humbling effect on the entire group, including the fact that Michael Jackson did not attend the American Music Awards that night, even though he was nominated for three awards because he was in the studio all night working on the song. Or how about the fact that Lionel Richie was the host of the awards ceremony that night and won six awards and then was truly a mastermind the ultimate orchestra maestro in the way he pulled everyone together to make We Are The World happen. It's worth watching the documentary just to see Lionel Richie in action. In my opinion, it's like watching a masterclass in leadership. The makers of the documentary created it during the pandemic, and they've been quoted as saying that working on a project all about hope helped them tremendously during a time which we all felt so hopeless. That immersing themselves in the lyrics and the spirit and the camaraderie of the 1985 project is what pushed them to the successful completion of the movie. Whether you were alive in 1985 or not, whether you purchased the single or the entire album back then or not, whether you have watched this documentary or not, Think about the obstacles that they had to face back then in order to pull it off. 
There was no such thing as a cell phone or texting or emails. So the mere fact that Lionel Richie had the phone number of every single one of those stars and coordinated them all to get together in the same place on the same night is a miraculous feat in and of itself. The stars all had to come together from all over the country to one place for one night. Think of those travel logistics. So much went into picking the perfect soloists for each section of the song, deciding which artists' voices would blend perfectly together for certain parts. And there was no time to rehearse together, so cassette tapes had to be mailed out of the demo of the song to every single one of the artists in advance so that they could practice on their own. Everything was so carefully and perfectly crafted. Then there were people whose feelings were hurt back then because they weren't included in the song. For instance, one of the biggest stars of the mid-1980s was Madonna, and she wasn't asked to participate because they wanted very recognizable voices, and Cyndi Lauper's was considered much more distinct, globally recognized, and identifiable. And how about Waylon Jennings? who walked out in the middle of the recording process because there was a discussion about whether they would or would not sing a verse or two in Swahili. Apparently, his opinion on the issue was overruled, and therefore, he took his toys and went home. He must have forgotten that you were supposed to check your ego at the door. What can we learn from all of this? I'm not recommending that you gather all of your friends and pull the ultimate all-nighter to create a project. I do, however, think that there is a lot to be learned from the art of collaboration, about working together and caring about and helping people in need, and about not letting our egos get in the way of our accomplishments. There are some key ways that we do allow our ego to get in the way of our success like not being open to feedback or being resistant to change or thinking that we are the only ones who can get something done and not being able to delegate or having the fear of taking risks because we are afraid of failure or having difficulty getting along with others. Like Quincy Jones was urging back on that very long night of January 28th into 29th of 1985, the greatest night in pop. It takes humility, self-awareness, a willingness to work with others, the ability to embrace feedback, delegation, and trust. So perhaps it's the advice from your doctor or the suggestions from the trainer at the gym or the words of support from your close family and friends. Does your ego get in the way of receiving their recommendations? It is your ego's job to protect itself, but that won't necessarily protect you. Your sense of personal identity or self-importance could definitely get in the way of making the best decisions for your health. Have you ever said, I'm not going to stop eating sugar. I love the energy it gives me. Even when your doctor told you that your blood sugar numbers are a problem and that they're in the danger zone? Or have you ever stopped taking the medication that your doctor prescribed because you think you know more than your doctor? Or have you ever used heavier weights at the gym than the ones your trainer recommended? Your ego 
could end up getting you sick or injured or just plain miserable. Your ego has one job, and that is to feel important. Unfortunately, what that means is that your ego needs to fight to defend itself, and it thrives on negative situations so it can have something to do, something to worry about, or something to change. So in order for us to live a healthy and happy life, we're going to want to check our egos at the door. It's challenging because our egos do not live in the present moment. Your ego wants you to be thinking about the past and the future, perseverating on things that have gone wrong in the past or worrying about things that may go wrong in the future. If you're not sure if this is you, ask yourself a few questions. Every time you take something personally, this is the work of your ego. Every time you worry about an event coming up, that's your ego talking. If you receive some feedback that you don't like, whether it's good or bad, that's your ego that rules your reaction. Do you compare yourself unfavorably to others? That's your ego getting in your head again. Check your ego at the door. Living a healthy and fulfilling life means that we should try to live in the present moment. You definitely don't want to be stuck in your head. You'll end up missing out on so much of the life that you're living. There's nothing wrong with having an ego and feeling important, but our ego needs to be checked so that it doesn't affect how we feel about ourselves or prevent us from taking the best care of ourselves. Your ego will fight you on this. And as I said, it wants you to look at the past and the future to find trouble and make excuses. It doesn't want you to be at peace. Your ego needs an enemy, a situation or a problem to fight and feel bigger than or better than. If you don't check your ego at the door, you will be prevented from enjoying your life and accepting things as they are. If we take note of our ego and when it starts to interfere with our life, we can then try to gently bring it back into line. One of the best lessons we can learn from We Are the World is that we are not an island. We cannot accomplish the big projects alone. We need a team. We need the talent of others. We need the advice, support, and collaboration of people who may know more or better than we do. In our everyday lives, we may not be surrounded by 45 other talented people or have Lionel Richie telling us what to do and when to do it or have Quincy's sign hanging above the door. But those 40-year-old lyrics can serve as a reminder. When you're down and out and there seems no hope at all, if you just believe, there's no way we can fall. Let us realize that a change can only come when we stand together as one. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true we'll make a better day. Just you and me. Thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate your time and attention so much. Please let me know in the comments how you check your ego at the door. You can give this podcast a positive rating. 
You can spread the love by sharing it with others. And you may use the links in the description to reach out to me to book a health or life coaching session or to come to a Qigong class. If you would like a shout out in a future episode, click on the link to support this podcast. I'm so very grateful for your support. I'm in your corner. I'm cheering you on. And as always, I am wishing you well. Mm -hmm.